0: and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. And what we mean by that is that all of us on the show, as we give our opinions, we are right in the middle of the the fight, the trenches, the good work with you. And uh, we don't mind uh, kind of sharing along what we have learned. And we love hearing what you have learned as well on Twitter, Facebook, those sort of things. Let us know how you are responding to the topics that we are talking about. Speaking of the we, uh, my name is Josh King and I am joined as always with Sam Rayner and Micah Freeze. How are you guys?
2: I'm back from vacation. Welcome back, dude. I know. It's Monday. We record on Mondays. Uh walked into, you know, the usual stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: So all's good. Yeah, absolutely. Micah, what are you doing? I'm good, man. It's a Monday morning, sitting in the office, got meetings ahead. Actually, tomorrow, I'm very excited. We're heading down to Atlanta tomorrow for the Royals versus Braves game. So, Hot Atlanta. Uh, it's going to be glorious. And yeah. uh, Sam, are you going to see the Montreal Rays play anytime yeah. soon? Yeah, I'm actually
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm going tomorrow night yes. against, against the Red Sox. All the way up to Canada. The Red Sox. <laughs> yes. Now, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they do a move. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably switch over <laughs> to the fish.
1: No, wait, probably, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa, whoa let's back up for a second because last time we talked you were like this isn't happening now all of a sudden you've asked you you've sort of changed your tune a little bit no
2: I well I mean it could happen certainly but I don't <laughs> I don't think that it will ultimately I think this is a leverage play uh, I don't think the players union will allow the Montreal move and I think any other market doesn't have the TV market that Tampa has I mean Tampa is the 11th biggest TV market so I think it's 11 so there's, I, I just don't that's where the money is with the MLB is in the TV contracts so I just right. don't I don't see them moving but yeah, if yeah. they do I'll switch over to the the fish you know i'll just really go fish yeah as hard as that is to say even
1: if even if they move and they do half the season and. uh in Tampa and half the Tampa. season in Montreal. Well, I mean,
2: okay, the half season thing's not going to work. It's not going to happen. I can It's see just how it works. It, you I, can't build can't two stadiums. It. It's, no. They're going to have to build two stadiums. It, I, I, I get know. the business aspect of it because it's three TV markets plus the, you know two English speaking plus French speaking. It's big money. It's it's a great if he could if Stu Sternberg the owner could
1: pull it off, great. But yeah, but, but if he can't if he can't get one stadium in Tampa right now, how's he going to get a stadium <laughs> in Tampa and you know, one in Montreal? And
2: at this point, our listeners are like, "Which podcast am yeah, I listening to?" Because out. <laughs> I, I is this the sports this sounds like this a is, Tampa
1: sports podcast that's going on I would have changed the channel already it's Mike and, it's Mike, and Mike man <laughs>
2: we gotta stop we gotta
1: stop because our <laughs> listeners are gonna be like move
2: right. on to something that's pertinent I, I just, just, so I just like
1: I just, just like poking the bear so no fast. it's my fun I like poking the bear it's, I know uh, <laughs> us race
0: fans are used to it I get it so I do have a topic that relates to ministry though that's good let's talk about the pace of change yeah I, I think this gets a lot of people in trouble it's not the way – it's not what the change you want to make. It's the way you change it. It's not the decision you made. It's the ma- the way you made it or communicated it. A lot of times it gets people in trouble. It's not what you said. It's how you said it. That's what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. So, and, go ahead. Sorry. So let's talk about that. How fast is too fast? How slow is too slow? So let me tell you uh, an, an, um, a little, uh, little phrase, a little ditty. I had a pastoral ministries professor in college and he used to say uh, – he said, boys – Make sure the saddle's cinched on tight before you throw the spurs to the horse. Mm. And uh, he's got a point, right? I mean, it's colloquial. It's, you know, it's humorous and and all of that. But his point is right. Like, have you earned the ability to lead the church through the changes that you're wanting to make? And I think a lot of times pastors, especially younger pastors, less experienced pastors, make an assumption that they have the right and the authority based simply on their position. And there is Mm -hmm. some element of that that's true uh but they they forget that there there's some relational capacity that needs to be developed as well. Let me say this. I I don't subscribe
0: and so I'm only on my second pastor right here. So I don't subscribe to the whole philosophy of don't change anything in x number of time. So don't like I've heard some people the the kind of the nomenclature the little word of wisdom is change nothing within the first year. Nothing. Um, the, the caveat that I would say is don't arbitrarily change anything within the first year. If there's opportunities for change where you can make, um, you know, appropriate sized changes within the, I don't care the first month, then you make those changes as long as there there's rationale, as long as you have buy-in, as long as you're talking to folks and getting some feedback, those sort of things. But just sitting there, not making any sort of changes to do relational stuff, um, I don't necessarily subscribe to. But um, some of them, I think where you would want to start is, and I'm curious what you what your uh, rubric for this is, Sam, why do you want to change it? Like, yeah, Let me pull up my through? rubric. Hang, on, hang yeah, on, let me get my rubric. Pull up your Rainer Rubric. <laughs> you,
2: like a Rubik's Cube? Is that is that yeah, what you're talking Reino about? Rainer Rubric. Yeah, That's re- hard to say, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so why no do you change. Want to change? Yeah, so w- when you're just starting out, no change is dangerous because you may set a pattern that, you know, sets you up for failure. What I would say is go after low-hanging fruit. Go right. after, you know, the things that you know, you know that you know that you can get done. And you know, early on in ministry, particularly if you don't have a lot of experience, sometimes it's difficult to know that. But, you, you know, your first 30 days is you, you should be able to figure out, okay, I, there are some things that I know I can change and it's not really going to. Upset too many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go after that that low hanging fruit, the stuff that you know will be a success. And what's an example year. of a low hanging fruit? I mean, it can. Okay, t- typical Rainer answer. It depends. Mm-hmm. Um, at West Bradenton, when I came here, it was the bylaws, which typically is. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know that's, that's a big, big, big low hanging fruit. Not no. Well, usually it's very dangerous to change the bylaws in your first mm-hmm. year. Um, but everyone here wanted it. And, and, you know, I had, I, you know, had a church council that said we, we need to do this. I had all the key leaders of the church saying, let's do this. So we got our council together we have a council structure and, um, we worked through those changes it was a unanimous vote because everybody wanted it. Um, and thankfully, I mean, it, it. the fact that that was low-hanging fruit here has really helped me out. Right, um, But that's what it was here. And in another church, that, that may be something that is like the sacred cow. You're not going to be able to touch it for five years. I mean, it just depends on the church. But um, you, you listen to your people. If you hear themes, if you hear a lot of people, particularly some of your key leaders and your staff, if you have a staff saying things, your deacons, whoever, whatever structure you got, that go in that direction. And then don't do it alone. Bring in those people mm-hmm. so that they have your back. Let it be their idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that will help as well with, you know, uh, people thinking that you're coming in and wrecking the place and all that. But no, yeah, to say that you're not going to change anything in the first year i do think is poor advice i would just it also gets little, you if you communicate that it gets you in trouble when you do have to make oh a change. yeah
0: you may have or to something that's perceived as a change
2: yeah, even even if that's your strategy like mm-hmm. okay i'm not going to change anything because i'm just this church doesn't seem like i'm going to be able to don't say it out loud don't right. tell your people that because you, you may have to do something
0: what about things like logos websites i see a lot of people do that And, you know, I'm real big on marketing and branding. I think all three of us are. What I think that's a low hanging fruit, but you just got to recognize. I I guess my opinion is just recognize that that's just a very, very low hanging fruit. It's just a little thing.
2: I I would, I would, I would, I don't even know if I would call it low hanging fruit. I mean, unless your logo looks, you know, like something it shouldn't look like, or whatever. No. Um, I mean, it's petty. I would just say it's petty. I mean, if mm-hmm. you're, if you're tinkering with logos your first 30 days, I, I really think you've probably missed the mark on,
1: you know, leadership. Wow. And it
2: may need to be done, but it's a
1: tweet, dude. That's yeah, a and big here's one. Here's the thing I would say too we, I would call sometimes, um, I would say sometimes logos are not low-hanging fruit. I would say sometimes they're the opposite of that. They can get you in a lot of trouble. People can get really worked up and emotional over stuff like that. And you think, hey, this is a real quick, easy fix. And instead, you find yourself in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And I think Sam's right. I think here's the thing. As pastors and particularly new pastors, remember this. We have some level of insecurity. We walk into a new church. We want to be, quote, a success. Very concerned with that sort of thing. And so we look for the things we can change. And often that leads us to make unnecessary changes. I had a pastor tell me in the last four weeks. Um, I, I'm making XYZ changes because I and, and I make these same number of changes every year because I want our people to just get accustomed to the idea that things change and so I make changes just so that they're used to being you know used to changing that's lazy, a horrible, leadership. It's a horrible lazy idea. leadership it's a horrible idea it's a horrible idea it's just really <laughs> bad we don't make changes just so we can make changes uh, just so your people can be disrupted the other thing we forget about that is when you do that you cash in a lot of chips so when you need to make changes you've burned your ability to do so because um, because you've you know you know you wasted on things that don't matter that that's, much. So.
2: That's tantamount to Congress saying we're going to change the tax code every year just because. That's right. I yeah, mean, that's yeah, right. that's just dumb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly if you're changing right. just to change, just so your people are experiencing change, th- th- that I mean, tyrants do that. Don't yeah, do that. That's I would right. think another motivation.
0: You hit on a good one because I hear that a lot. Just. We need to upset the apple cart just so people don't get comfortable. And, like, comfortable is a bad thing. Right. The – another motivation, if we're all real honest with ourselves, is just this. Like, I know – I'll just be real honest. When I came to 2nd Conway, the website was just not my favorite at all. I did not like the layout. It it was fine. It was functional. And uh, the price was great uh, for what they paid for it. But I was a little, to be honest, embarrassed. Not – and that my embarrassment has nothing to do with whether whether or not we're effectively reaching people for the gospel in Conway, Arkansas. I was more embarrassed when Micah and Sam see our website <laughs> or when it gets announced, you know, Josh is going to this church. I know that hundreds of pastors are going to Google the church and then look at that website immediately. And that is one of the bigger motivations Of why initially I was thinking, man, I got to get that website fixed. I got to get that looking good. And I think a lot of us make decisions that really do not move the needle any further, do not help us reach the community for the gospel, but are instead the way that our peers who are hundreds of miles away are perceiving what it is that we're doing, especially in that new transition
2: time. Like, look at the new thing I have. Tinkering is not being a good change agent. That's what a lot of – I think a lot of pastors fall in. They fall in the trap of tinkering with things. Yeah. Tweaking the structure, you know, thinking about name – what do we name our group system? Is it Sunday school or is it life groups or community groups? I mean – and all of those things are are not necessarily bad things, but that's you tinkering. Mm-hmm. That's not – you know, the branding side of things is you tinkering. The website is you tinkering. And, and I get that um, these things may need to be done. And yeah, the website may be junk. I get all that. But that's not the real transformational people change that you're after in, in leading a local church. Well, um, I would so say if that's all you're doing is tinkering. You're really not leading change. You're just and tinkering. And it goes back to why. So
0: if you're saying we just need to change something, then you're tinkering. If you're making small changes that all lead to a philosophical shift, um, like, like I do feel like there's a philosophical shift when you move away from a what's called a Sunday school model to what's called a small group. I think we all kind of acknowledge that there's some sort of shift, especially in what you're doing and what you call it. I mean, as people are coming into the church, those things communicate different ideals. And so... At that point, if it's part of a whole um, movement in a direction that you're doing, that would be okay,
2: but still not necessarily something you need to do within the first 30 days. Yeah, fair enough. I would guess, I guess what I'd say is if you're only changing the labels, mm-hmm. you're not really doing change. Yeah, exactly. I call
1: that I call, that. I call that changing the drapes, right? Like new color right. paint on the wall in the auditorium or rearranging the way the chairs look or putting a new logo up. or I mean, Look, some of those things are helpful, and I've done that, and... I mean, I I get it. I understand that those things, but don't overestimate the significance of those decision makings. And I want to go back to why we make a lot of these changes, especially early on. And I think a lot of it has to do with insecurities on our part when it comes to, man, I've got to be a success. I've got to get stuff fixed. And then we just sort of scramble thinking, well, I've got to change something, you know, so that it gets better or so that we can, you know, be more of a success. And so we scramble rather than prayerfully, slowly, slowly strategically making changes that need to happen when they happen, you know, because they're going to help lead to the expansion of the kingdom, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, all of, almost all of our listeners are established church leaders, you know, right, the pastors,
2: right. people in established churches. And, and I just say, generally speaking, so this is a general rule of thumb, there's always exceptions. Uh, the, the best change agents in an established church are your plotters, the people that, ha- you know, work through three or four changes a year, very strategically and you know have that philosophical kind of uh, foundation and they pick a path and they just stay on it for 5 10 20 years and it, you know the more that I've been in ministry the more I've I see the success of those what might you might even say slow
1: plotters who just see change through for 10 years mm-hmm. it's it's amazing what you can get done okay so let's uh, let's bring up one other point then about why we make changes quickly Because... And I mean, I'm guilty of this. Most of us haven't stayed places long enough to do the slow plotting change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I,
2: ha- I haven't. I say, I say that as one guilty. Guilty as yeah. charged. Yeah, and
1: I, I'm hoping
2: and I'm praying. I'm innocent and on and that
1: front. <laughs> no, you're guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <It's>, hoping, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping and praying that Brainerd lets me hang around here for a long time. But I mean, the truth of the matter is we make changes quickly because we're all in our mind. I mean, not we're all, that's not fair. But too many have this internal clock. I got three to five years. yeah, And, uh, and so I got to get this stuff done rather than thinking, well, I've got twenty years or twenty-five years. Right. I always say it's it is a long ball game. So you
0: just make little changes over a long what what what's Peterson's um quote, you know, like small changes in the same direction over a long period of time. Yeah. That's kind
1: so of discipleship the idea is a that, long walk in the same direction. Is that what you're thinking of? Similar, yeah. yeah but
0: yeah. applying it to change is just you make these tiny little changes over a long period of time and you're going to get where you you need to get. And sometimes the best thing, the very best thing for you to do is just to stand where you are. Don't give up any ground, but stand where you are. And maybe there's some other things that need to be um, taught, learned, built like relationships before you take that next one baby step. Mm -hmm. And too often you're just running because you want to build a platform within two or three years. uh, So you can go on to the next thing.
2: And, I think that that's abusive to the and, church, and for our listeners that are um, close to our age, I guess maybe twenties, thirties, forties, even I guess into your fifties, the baby boomers are retiring, mm-hmm. and there is this like massive wave of church openings that are occurring, and and it is really hard uh, because it, you know if if you're if you're on the lookout for for churches and church openings and particularly even larger churches. Um, In the next five years, it's really beginning now, but in the next five years, maybe even up through 10 years, you're just going to see a lot of churches that are looking for pastors. So um, the temptation... To view things through the whole "grass is greener" syndrome is only going to get worse. Right. I mean, it's it's not, this is not going to get any better for for those of you who struggle with restlessness like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, th- this isn't th- this is a phenomenon that's going to occur, and you know, it's you know, we're just seeing the beginnings of it. And I, I you know, I, I fear for a lot of churches because mm-hmm. and pastors because yeah, I mean, it's going to two to three years. I can put on a good front. I can tinker with some changes. I can make it look good and then I can move on. And and if that happens, hopefully it doesn't, but if that happens, it's not going to be good for the kingdom. So, I'm curious
0: about what to do if you're already in the midst. Let's say you're six months in, you've made too many changes, things aren't going the right way, what you do about that. But before I get you guys to feed back on that, let me ask this. What guides your core beliefs? Are they founded upon solid truths or are they based on others' opinions or your own emotions? What you believe about your purpose and value affects almost every area of your life. I actually preached on exactly this yesterday. This is the premise of the new film, Overcomer, in theaters August 23rd. It's the latest from the Kendrick Brothers, makers of Courageous. This movie has inspired the creation of several resources for small groups. There's an Overcomer Bible study for individuals. There is a book. Learn more about all the resources at lifeway.com slash overcomer. So you are a minister, a leader of an established church, and you're three, four, five months in. You made some changes. You stirred up the water a little bit there. Can you pull those
2: back or
0: have you burned a bridge? What do you think?
2: Uh, uh, Well, yeah. I mean, if you're still there... You 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 know you can always rebuild burnt bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would. I mean, if you can't, then you just need to get out, right? I mean, it's done. Right. If the bridges are burnt and there's no chance of rebuilding them, well, you're moving on. whatever the situation may be. But yeah, if you've done too much, I think the thing to do is to take a step back. How if do you, you know some you bridges, did too much, Micah? How do you know? Like, oh, you'll like- know. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you'll know,
1: you'll know because, um, uh, you know, because you're, I mean, well, for for, uh, some easier ways to know, Um, giving is down, attendance is taking a hit. Those are indications that obviously there are problems. But I mean, you're going to have people in your ear. I mean, significant numbers of people in your ear explaining, hey, we have frustrations, we're concerned, that sort of thing.
0: And I think that, you know, we
1: say you'll know, but
0: these people who are doing this don't seem to know. They keep making these little changes.
2: Well, okay. So we're talking about those who lack Mm -hmm. self-awareness and that's none of our listeners. So we're we're, we're okay. <laughs> Our listeners I mean, are geniuses. Yeah, yeah. You're well, you know, so we don't we don't need to address the people that aren't listening to the podcast. But yeah, I guess there are a handful of leaders out there that have lack complete self awareness mm-hmm. that they wouldn't you know, if the if the thing was burning down to the ground and the Titanic was sinking to mix some metaphors there, they wouldn't even know. I mean they're just still rearranging the deck chairs. I guess those leaders are out there, but you know, they they're not the ones that listen to podcasts, so we're right. All right. In a church of similar
0: structure to you know, baptistic congregational sort of models. Usually if there's a if there's a loss of a pastor uh, for whatever reason and then there's a transitional period of time and then you 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 get a new leader in, there is usually a little bit of a sort of surge, a little bit of a rise. There's a new thing. Just the newness happens. If you're still in that new zone, which Sam you threw out 30 days, I think that could go as far as three, four months. If you're still in that new zone and everything is going the wrong way, then you may have made too many changes too fast.
2: Oh, sir! Oh, that's a big warning sign. Yeah, you're you know you're week five, and people are mad. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, something is seriously wrong. Right. Um, With, 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 you know, the church or you or, you know, something's bad. Yeah, something's very bad. Usually your first six months are pretty good honeymoon period. I mean, should be. It it should be, yes. Um, unless, you know, the church, you know, you may inherit, like I have a buddy up in Massachusetts who had inherited a church that was in bankruptcy proceedings. Um, which I, you know, we've, we've heard his story before on the podcast. So, um, you know, that, that's a whole different kind of situation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that that's nutty. Uh, but in most cases, yeah, your first six months should be pretty good. Micah, should you apologize if
1: you've changed too much? Should you make yes. that a public thing? Yes, you should. I, I mean, I looked? don't know how public it should be. It depends on who the changes. Uh, here, here's what I, I think. I'm a big fan of regular apologies at some level because we make regular mistakes. All of us do. Small mistakes, bigger mistakes, that sort of thing. And I think your apology ought to rise to the level of the breadth of your mistake. And and sometimes it's just as simple as just saying, you know what, guys, I'm sorry. I should have I just should have moved a little bit slower. Please forgive me. We're gonna we're gonna become we're gonna be a little more deliberate as we move forward just remember that if you've um, If you've made a mistake along those lines, it's gonna shorten your leash next time around. You know what? I mean, you've got to be more careful and uh, the problem is we have I'm convinced that we have we've mistaken hubris for leadership and arrogance for confidence in the American church. And the idea of a pastor standing up and just saying, guys, I made a mistake here. I mean, I've, I've said that to our staff multiple times. I said, guys, I just, you know, I I didn't do well here or X, Y, Z. And I'm not saying it needs to happen every week, but uh, you know, pastors who stand on the pulpit and say, I struggle with X, Y, Z, or I didn't do well here. Mm -hmm. seems to be rare. And I'm just telling you, it's for one, it's biblical. It's a great example of how you ought to show your people that we all make mistakes and try and own those when we make them man also you can start earlier
0: with that uh before you get to the point where you need to apologize yeah when i came into second people said well what's the plan what are we gonna do the next 10 years and i just would respond and say look i don't have a i don't have a clear reading of where we are currently i need to spend a little time just kind of talking to people going to these things i haven't even gone to that event yet and so there's huge events that Second Baptist has, and they would like, what do you want to do this year? And I'm like, I just want to go to the one and see where it is. I'd do it exactly like you did it last year. I don't have a very clear reading. But as you guys have pointed out with the hubris and sort of the platform and those sort of things, I think sometimes new leaders come in thinking, I have a perfect reading of what this church is and where it's at and the health of it, and I know exactly what to do next. And I think they're putting up a front. Because we don't know that yet, and
2: Mike has brought up a great point with apologies. We should do a whole episode on how to apologize, Mm -hmm. Um, right? Because you know, I I hear a lot of pastors that uh, you know, and they're hurt. They've been if you're if you pastor a church, just give it time, right? You're going to get hurt. You know, it's going to happen. That being said, you know, I hear a lot of complaints. Maybe that may be too strong a word. or frustration from pastors that nobody ever apologizes in the church. And when I actually mentor young guys who feel called to ministry, I'll tell them your church will. Don't expect, don't ever expect an apology from anybody in the church. Just, just rarely happens. That being said, what if pastors let out more? You know, you're supposed to lead out. You're supposed to show people the way. You're supposed to get, be the example. Mm -hmm. Well, if the lead pastor's not apologizing for big mistakes from the pulpit, even and from, you know, from the platform, for lack of a better word, um, then, why would the church, I mean, this is going you know, evangelistic churches have evangelistic pastors. Why, why would that also not apply to, you know, a tone of, uh, you know, gratefulness through apologies um, and humbleness through apologies? I've um, never seen it go backwards.
0: Like I've seen people, there's been times where I've stood up and said, hey, I'm sorry. Like this is the way I understood it and that's how I explained it to you. Then I got more information in this and, you know, I was just wrong. I didn't. I didn't know how to do that, but here's more information. What do you guys think? And I'm talking to the whole congregation, like at a church conference. And I've never seen anybody walk away from that going, Oh, we totally don't trust him now. I mean, it's like, well, he just, like the guy's a human, like the rest of us are humans. And so I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, something else that I've learned is if you are going into a church, a leadership role, and the church, it's like a committee some sort of form of a committee is selecting you, be very careful of what the committee tells you needs to change. It's not always what the whole church thinks
2: needs to change. Rarely. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so, I would even say rare, rarely does the committee, any committee have a true pulse of where the church is at. And I would say
0: in my experience, the committees are a little bit more healthy because they've gone through a process of looking at the whole of the picture and they see they're probably right. That needs to change. But they're like, it needs a change as soon as you start. And the church is like, wait, that's a problem. And so I'd be very careful to implement all of those changes immediately or, you know, within a very quick time. Any other kind of like changes not to make that you've heard about or you've experienced?
2: Oh, I've I've got lots of mistakes when it comes to implementing change but you know we're running out of time so i'd, I'd rather just hear from micah about his
1: his mistakes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't have uh, we need four episodes to begin to get to the thir- first two years of my ministry worth of mistakes mm-hmm. right i mean it, it i'm trying to think fun. should
0: we just share some of our biggest mistakes of
1: change their legion um, yeah I'll, so i'll tell you the first church i served as pastor um i m- walked in and when the changes i made there You know, I was a 23-year-old pastor. It was a small rural church. And here's the crazy part. The changes, I mean, kind of worked. Like we took this rural traditional church and turned it into this uber contemporary, um, you know, environment. And, um, And it worked in the sense that we had a lot of new people that came. The problem was it wasn't contextually faithful where I was at. And I was able to make those changes rather quickly because I had family who was in the church, my wife's family in the church. So you get a lot of protection in that regard. And mm-hmm. when I left, the church did not continue. It just didn't stay. You know, the, the, those who were in attendance just didn't stay consistent. Right? I mean, the the they're, they're, because I, they all drove. 10, 15 minutes minimum to get to church. They weren't from where the church was. It just didn't. It wasn't consistent with the context. And so mm-hmm. I moved. I moved quickly. I had a lot of protection. I probably took it for granted. And in the end, I don't know that it created a healthy model that lasted. Sam,
2: what's one of your big change mistakes? Oh, I've, I've got I've got lots of them. One of them, my first full time church. This was years ago. I, I you know I'd much rather use stuff that's you know in my twenties because it's a little more forgivable. Yeah. If I talk about stuff that's like last week, it makes it, it me sound really bad but yeah. um yeah we'll <laughs> I at my, first, <laughs> my first full-time church we had a worship pastor who uh, moved on we'll just say that it was a rather strange situation and uh he moved on um and uh and then i i, I basically told the church hey, we don't need a worship pastor we um we need a college pastor because we had a college right down the road yeah uh and we hired a full-time but not almost full-time uh College pastor instead of we, – we used the funds that were for the worship pastor for the college pastor. Mm. And, and here's the thing. The college pastor was a good guy, but it, it was a complete, you know, flop of a mistake. I mean, it was bad because we, we you know, we really needed a worship pastor. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean that, that didn't, that did not go over well. If if, I, if we had time and I could tell you the whole history of the, why the worship pastor left and all that, it'd be a whole nother story, but I was just frustrated. And I was like, I don't want to have to deal with another worship pastor. So let's just go hire somebody <laughs> else. Let's just hire, let's just hire another position.
0: So I don't have to deal with it. I'll say in one of my student ministry positions, I was hired and explicitly told by the committee uh, that the guy that I was following was very huge events, lots and lots of money, spend lots of money, make it big and bold and flashy. And they wanted a simple discipleship model. And that's what I was kind of known for. I had built a large student ministry on that model. And so we want you to be the anti the guy before you. And um, I was like, okay, cool. I can do that. And so walked in, did that. Just Immediately did that. And man, I mean, I mean, we, we, when I say immediately did that week one, we just shut everything down, just went back to a simple kind of approach and it frustrated everyone, everyone, me, the, the students, the parents, they just didn't understand why I was going with that approach. I didn't understand why they were pushing back because this is what I was hired to do. And I didn't realize that concept that I said a minute ago is that the committee, Doesn't necessarily understand or know what the people as a whole want or are ready for, or they do, but they're just not communicating it that way. They're just saying, this is what we need. So eventually get around to it. So that was a huge mistake that really kind of bit me um, in that whole process, but. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening to EST. We want to remind you to listen to other great podcasts like the Unseen Leadership Podcast from the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You can find that on major podcasting apps. Thanks again for listening, and we'll check you out next week.
1: You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network.